The Baphomet drone by Elifa Levy is definitely one of the most famous esoteric images circulating within occult circles and never ceases to fascinate and catch people's attention. Scholars have already pointed out that this figure represents Levy's magnetistic magical concept of the astral light. In this episode, we will investigate what that means while exploring another aspect highlighted by the paper source of this video's content. That is that the Baphomet symbolizes both Levy's magical theory as well as embodying a politically connoted tradition of true religion, which would realize a synthesis of religion, science and politics. Have I sparked your interest? Great! Come on! Hello everyone! I'm Dr. Angela Puca and welcome to my symposium. I'm a PhD and religious studies scholar and this is your online resource for the academic study of magic, esotericism, paganism, shamanism and all things occult. As Julian Strobe explains, Eliphas Levy's androgynous good-headed Baphomet is definitely one of the most widespread esoteric images out there. The drawing was first published in Levy's famous Dogme de la Haute Magie, published in 1854 and featured as the frontispiece for the two-volume edition of Dogme Rituel de la Haute Magie, published in 1855-1856, and also for the extended second edition in 1861. This image and its numerous variations are popular in new religious movements and subcultures, especially within the metal and gothic scenes, often associated with counter-cultural dispositions, Satanism and anti-Christian attitudes. In 2015, the Satanic Temple revealed a massive monument inspired by the Baphomet drawing. The statue was, however, meant to be a symbolical expression of dissent against the perceived and inadmissibly close relationship between religion and the state. The association between the Baphomet, devil worship and Satanism has been drawn since the 1960s, but stretches back to the end of the 19th century. The Baphomet has in fact often been inaccurately represented with an inverted pentagram placed over the goat's head. This symbol was first suggested by Elifa Levy himself and later pictured by occultists such as Sanislav de Guaita in his Claire de la Magie Noire from 1897. This variant has been notoriously adopted by Anton LaVey in his Satanic Bible, openly describing it as Baphomet. Interestingly, Elifa Levy was the farthest you can imagine from a Satanist, and the meaning of the drawing was not meant as either Satanic or anti-Christian. Levy intended to create a symbol of the equilibrium of the opposites associated with magnetistic undertones. The Baphomet is depicted by Levy primarily as a goat-like figure, which is further emphasized by its identification with the goat of Mendes or the sabbatical goat. Depictions of a horned goat-like demonic creature or the devil himself had been widespread for centuries. 
When Levite depicted the figure in his books, the topos of a goat attending witches' sabbaths had been established for centuries. Also, Levi had received a religious education and often mentioned several classics of demonology, such as Jean Baudin's famous De la démonomanie des sorcières. Yet he only openly referenced more recent works that contained the image of the sabbatical goat. Among the graphic inspirations, we find the prints from the Compendium Maleficarum from 1608, showing a goat-headed winged devil who resembles Levi's Baphomet. However, the most direct inspiration for the Baphomet was undoubtedly the tarot card Le Diable from the Marseille deck which Levy deemed to be the most acceptable surviving version of this imagery. Other potential influences may be the famous alchemical androgyne in Henrik Kutran's Amphitheatrum Sapientiae Eterne. In 1854, Doc Merituel de la Haute Magie was advertised with an extract from the first volume, when at the time this was still a work in progress. In the selected abbreviated passage, Levy explains something foundational to his theory of magic and the meaning of the Baphomet. He says that there exists in nature a force which is much more powerful than steam. This force was known to the ancients. It consists of a universal agent whose supreme law is equilibrium and whose direction is concerned immediately with the great arcanum of transcendental magic. This agent which barely manifests itself under the trial and error of the disciples of Mesmer, is exactly what the adepts of the Middle Ages called the first matter of the great work. The Gnostics represented it as the fiery body of the Holy Spirit, and it was the object of adoration in the secret rites of the Sabbath or the Temple. Under the hieroglyphic figure of Baphomet, or the androgynous goat of Mendes. The main actors in Levi's tradition are here clearly identified. The medieval adepts, who were the successors of the ancient Gnostics. The most renowned among them are the Templars, who were believed to have worshipped the Baphomet. Levi did not claim to depict the exact idol that was supposedly the object of adoration of medieval adepts. Still, he did claim to present a figurative drawing of the ideas that were represented by it. In essence, he described the Baphomet as a pantheistic and magical figure of the Absolute, and identified it with Pan. It was much more than an imaginative symbol for a magnetistic theory. It stood for a specific secret tradition that formed the key to understanding the true form of religion. The crucial magnetistic connotation of the Baphomet was explained by Levi himself and later highlighted by other esotericists, such as Helena Blavatsky in 1877, as well as later scholars like Christopher McIntosh in 1975. The symbol of the Baphomet for Elifa Levi is the embodied symbol of a key concept in his notion of magic, what he defined as astral light. Strube argues that the notion of astral light, lumière astrale, 
was not sourced from ancient, medieval or early modern sources. Levy himself pointed out that he had borrowed the notion from the school of Pasqualis Martinez, also known as Martinism. So Levy didn't even borrow from late 18th century sources, but from those dating around the 1850s. He likely discovered this concept in a publication from 1852, La Magie de Voilet by Jean de Poutier de Saint-Noix, which Lévy explicitly mentioned as a source. Lévy agreed with Dupoutet's idea that the astral light denoted a magic agent, agent magique, known to the Kabbalists, the Chaldean mages, the alchemists and the Gnostics. As a mediator plastique, plastic mediator, it could be seen as the force behind magnetism and consequently the ultimate cause of magical operations. Levy felt strongly about highlighting a distinction between this theory and other magnetistic approaches, especially from somnambulism, hence his ongoing polemics against the doublers. In his perspective, the true practitioner of magic needed two fundamental requirements. First, a natural disposition and individual training of the will, and second, an initiation. The astral light was also seen as a blind mechanism that worked mathematically and followed immutable laws. Yet it was still the will, volonté of the magician, the essential ingredient to control this force, and indeed the exercise of this will will require extensive, intensive training. While other theoreticians perceived this magnetic force to be merely physical, spiritualists were persuaded of its profoundly religious and traditional implications. And so was Levy. What was really alluring for Elifa Levy is that the argument that the recent magnetistic approaches were in fact a rediscovery of ancient magical wisdom would actually lead to a possible future synthesis of science and religion. Levy had probably met some of these spiritualists in the salons of an old friend and comrade, Charles Fauveté, who had argued that the doctrines of Swedenborg, Fourier and Mesmer were essentially identical. Interesting to notice that the spiritualistic magnetists were often socialist veterans. Dupotet, possibly the most crucial source for Lévy's magnetistic magical theory, had an openly revolutionary past and concealed his socialist tendencies only because of the unfavorable atmosphere of the 1850s. These socialist veterans wanted to pursue their old dream of a synthesis of religion, science and politics in an attempt to establish perfect social order. And as we know, the idea of a synthesis between all of the above and the discovery of a true religion identified with Catholicism was of utmost importance in Levy's thought. As for the historical narrative behind Levy's Baphomet, it is known that he associated it with the Knights Templar. However, the actual sources he used to develop this narrative about the Templars have not been studied. This is probably because Levy was met with an unchallenged acceptance of him being the continuator of an historic tradition that had little to do with the historical context of the hating 
1840s and 1850s, as it was rather linked to the ancient esoteric doctrines the Baphomet had emerged from. Levy informed his historical narrative with scholarly debates about Christianity's rise and early development, which often revolved around the question of true religion and its role in contemporary society. Struber argues that the meaning and intention of this narrative can be best understood when taking into account the notions Levy disseminated in the 1840s under his civil name Alphonse Louis Constant when he was known as a socialist radical. At that time he claimed to be the representative of a true Catholicism which he opposed to the corrupted Christianity of the churches and vehemently identified with true socialism. He also considered himself the latest representative of a long tradition of revolutionary heretics who struggled for the realization of a universal religious association. In the 1950s, he re-elaborated this narrative and would now identify occultism with true Catholicism and also more or less explicitly with true socialism. Elifa Levy's Baphomet can therefore be seen as an iconic representation of this true doctrine, similarly to how the Knights Templar were considered to be the heirs of the same heretical revolutionary tradition going back to the Gnostics of the late ancient school of Alexandria. It was in fact believed that at this moment in time, the estrangement between true and false religion took place. So taking into account the historical context, the narrative and Levy's thought, we can see how the Baphomet is not only a magnetistic symbol representing his theory of magic, but also an embodiment of the only true tradition whose ultimate goal is the establishment of a perfect social order. We can definitely see here how Elifa Levy was a perennialist and how the Baphomet really embodies and envisions and visually represents the union of opposites and the yearning for that one true essence of religion, science and politics that would lead humanity to its betterment. So this is it for today's episode. If you like my content and want me to keep the academic fun going, Please do know that this project is funded and exists only thanks to your help. So if you have the means and can help at all, I would really appreciate if you consider supporting my work with a one-off PayPal donation, joining memberships or my inner symposium on Patreon, where you will get access to our community. We have a Discord server, a book club, we have monthly lectures for the Magus and Above tiers, and many other perks depending on your chosen tier. And otherwise, if you do like my content, please don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the video with your friends and have conversations about it. I really appreciate the formation of a community and having you guys engage with, uh, with my content. Also activate the notification bell because I'm sure that you want to be notified when I upload a new video, right? And as always, stay tuned for all the academic fun. Bye for now. <laughs>